our next series of podcasts are going to deal with the organs of the endocrine system. There'll be four podcasts in the series. This podcast will give you a brief overview of the endocrine system, and then we'll talk about the pineal gland, because the pineal gland is a relatively simple endocrine organ to understand. So your learning objectives for this series of podcasts would like you to be able to correlate histology with physiology as related to the structure and function of the endocrine organs. You should be able to identify each of the endocrine organs on glass slides and on histologic images, and you should be able to identify or list the secretory cells and their products in each of the endocrine organs. Now the endocrine system consists of some anatomic components, some biochemical effectors, some biochemical targets, and clearly physiologic functions. The anatomic components are clearly the endocrine organs, like the pituitary and hypothalamus, the pineal, thyroid, parathyroid, and adrenal glands. Now in this series of podcasts, we're going to talk about just the endocrine organs. We have talked about endocrine cells in other podcasts as they relate to the different systems that we've covered in the course. The hormones are biochemical effectors of the endocrine system and three major types of hormones, for example steroids like gonadal steroids, estrogens, testosterone, adrenal cortical steroids like aldosterone, cortisol. Other types of hormones are peptides and proteins, so for example, hypothalamic proteins, pituitary hormones, parathyroid hormones, pancreas, GI, and respiratory endocrine cells secrete peptide hormones. And then there are various amino acid derivatives, for example, thyroid hormone and the catecholamines epinephrine and norepinephrine from the adrenal medulla. And of course the receptors are the biochemical targets and these can be cell surface receptors or they can be intracellular receptors. Now the physiologic functions of the endocrine system are similar to that of the nervous system in that they help to regulate homeostasis and they coordinate growth and development. Now we have looked at cell polarization and other aspects of our course. This is just a broad overview to talk about some hormone control mechanisms. So the image here would be just a schematic to represent endocrine control. Here the cell is secreting a hormone into the extracellular space and then the hormone gets into the blood supply and so the target for endocrine hormones may be a great distance away from the cell that's producing the hormone. On the other hand, paracrine control mechanisms, the cells that secrete the paracrine hormone may be affecting cells that are very close by. So the product is released into the connective tissue and just by simple diffusion will influence their target cells. And we've talked about autocrine hormone control before. Here the cell is secreting a product that is feeding back and affecting the cell that secretes it in some way. So we can talk about endocrine, paracrine, and autocrine control mechanisms. This is just a generalized mechanism of hormone action showing for example a cell surface receptor so a protein hormone the receptor the receptor 
binds hormone. This will then stimulate some type of intracellular activity. So perhaps it would be a G protein coupled receptor, might stimulate a second message like cyclic AMP that would then affect gene transcription and you'd get various physiologic effects. On the other hand, intracellular receptors, notably for steroid hormones. So here, a steroid hormone with a carrier protein to help cross the membrane. The hormone receptor is actually a DNA sequence in the genes when the steroid hormone binds may stimulate transcription of a messenger RNA, translation of new proteins, and again physiologic effects. Just some general principles that I'd like you to keep in mind. They will help you later in pathology and they may help you as you try to integrate some of the endocrine histology with physiology. If you look at principles of endocrine disorders and diseases, some just some general things to consider. There may be overproduction of hormones, perhaps there are too many cells or tumors leading to an overproduction of hormones. There could be underproduction of hormones, perhaps too few cells secreting the hormones. Maybe there were mutations in the development of the endocrine glands. Maybe there were mutations in the genes related to the hormone itself or to the hormone expression. There may be altered target responses to hormones, so perhaps there are our receptor mutations, and then tumors in general might relate to hormone overproduction. You might have overgrowth of endocrine organs that might compress other structures, and endocrine cells might even metastasize to other areas of the body. So just some general principles to keep in mind as you reflect on integrating endocrine histology with physiology, and then as you go on in pathology. What I'd like to do is spend the last few minutes in this podcast talking about the pineal gland. The pineal gland is a photosensitive organ. It regulates circadian rhythms or daily rhythms in humans and actually light inhibits the production of melatonin. Melatonin is the major hormone released by the pineal gland. Some of the circadian rhythms that are regulated by the pineal would be our sleep wake cycle, body temperature, so basal body temperature, basal metabolic activity, white blood cell count, for example, mitotic activity of epithelial cells. You know, for example, there's more cell division in epithelial cells in the evening, in the dark cycle. Another uh, circadian rhythm might be secretion of ACTH and cortisol. Another rhythm might be our responsiveness to drugs. Now, the pineal gland develops from the neuroectoderm on the posterior roof of the diencephalon, and it's in the back of the third ventricle in the middle of the brain. The pineal gland contains two cell types and a substance called brain sand. The pinealocytes are neurosecretory cells. They are essentially the major parenchymal cell in the pineal gland. And then there are interstitial or glial cells in the pineal gland. The brain sand itself is called corpora arenacea. This is calcified concretions of phosphates and carbonates. Brain sand tends to increase with age. You can sometimes be a little bit humorous and say we indeed have rocks in our heads. But the brain sand is actually useful because it's opaque to x-ray and it can be a good marker when one is doing CT studies in the brain.
the pineal secretes melatonin by night and you sometimes hear the term melatonin by night serotonin by the daytime as you may be aware from some of your earlier studies serotonin is an important neurotransmitter very important in regulation of our overall mood and well-being uh, but serotonin is also a precursor to melatonin and the enzymes that convert serotonin to melatonin are active in the dark cycle and I don't expect you to remember this chemistry I just put it up to remind you of how serotonin and, mel and melatonin are related to each other in relation to the light and dark cycle in humans the pineal relates light intensity and duration to endocrine activity the pineal gland in other animals especially in lower vertebrates is really very important in regulating a lot of long-term rhythms like reproductive rhythms etc but in humans not so critical in that regard but it does respond to light intensity in humans uh, and essentially the pineal receives light information from the retino tract. Pineal activity can be measured by changes in plasma levels of melatonin. Diurnal changes in melatonin levels regulate our circadian rhythms in our bodies. Melatonin also inhibits stereogenic activity of the gonads by inhibiting gonadotrophic releasing hormone from the hypothalamus. And it has been suggested that in humans the pineal gland plays an important role in adjusting to sudden time changes. So for example, jet lag, and also maybe in altering emotional responses that are seen in seasonal affective disorder. Because as you know, in the winter seasons when day length is much shorter, a lot of people suffer from what's called seasonal depression. And the pineal may be involved in regulating that. Neural input to the pineal comes from intrinsic photosensitive retinal ganglion cells. These are cells that are not associated with the rods and the cones in the retina, but they do sense light and they send light signals back into the pineal gland. This is just a histological overview of the pineal at a low power, then at a higher power, showing these corpora arenatio, or the so-called rain sand. Lots of blood vessels are visible here, and you can see the various cells, pinealocytes, and some of these cells would also be supporting or glial cells. This is just a higher power view of the brain sand.